to another week with the Geek Whispers. I'm Amy Lewis. I'm Matt Brender. And I'm John Mark Troyer. <laughs> I think that's a great lead-in for what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, Oration? Yes. Yes, we are. And good radio voices. Tonight we can only speak in our radio voices because uh, <laughs> one of the things we're talking about is radio. <laughs> it's true. We were bantering about before we hit record and... The focus tonight is going to be about communication, which you may say, really? Why? Why? Um, (laughs) And we have an answer. Sometimes I'm actually amazed that we, any one human being can communicate anything to another human being before you even include different language, culture, platform, anything else. But our focus tonight is going to be about sort of the evolution of communication practice, both internally within teams externally as we build communities and tribes. So platforms, channels, and practices within modern communications. Because I I have a theory, guys, if you want to hear it, which is, I feel like social media has had its bright day in the sun, and it's leading us to a privatization, if you will, of communication, that we've had everything so far out there. We have seen pictures of celebrities we can't unsee. And we are moving in our... I don't know what part of social media you're going to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Is that why you keep um, Snapchatting me knowledge-based articles about storage arrays? Yeah. It's really hard to follow those, by the way. (laughs) Then they disappear in 10 seconds. (laughs) One screen at a time. (laughs) For instance, Slack. You're in tons and tons about Slack, which is in some ways a a niche or slightly more privatized invite-only IRC. So as Twitter evolves and its APIs change and we all get frustrated with it, are we taking more of our deeper conversations offline? In some ways, are you asking, were we in some sort of state of grace, some sort of social media garden of Eden where we all thought we were going to get together and share everything and perhaps now we've we've been cast out and need to cover our nakedness? (laughs) Wow, that... that Escalated quickly, but uh, when when I think about it, John, I I met metaphorical nakedness. Sure, yeah, I know. I like where the Snapchat to the Garden of Eden. I was just trying to think what the modern grape leaf is, but then I got distracted. Go ahead. I I really like that uh, we see an evolution. Um, whether we find it really comforting or terrifying or just confusing, our platform usage continues to evolve with our story, and I think there's nothing more natural than that. So we congregate on Twitter in many ways. It's been the, the platform du jour for, for years now, uh, but we see other niche platforms spinning up. We see the rise and fall of more podcasts um, and blogs. I hope we debate both of them. And, uh, and then as we kind of think of people outside our organization as either part of us or, or not, we tend to adopt even even more platforms. So we seem to be at a platform utopia um, in the Garden of Eden of platforms to continue this unnecessarily. <laughs> Amy, what's you, you had a reason you went here. So what is this with the privatization piece that you're talking about? Is Are you just talking about maybe branded communities or owned communities versus uh, discussion in the public uh, fora like Twitter? Well, um, to sort of pull all the way back to see if I've got any consensus here, if I'm, uh, if I'm swimming along by myself, have you found that you're having more and more conversations offline? I know we've touched on this subject before, 
And and something Matt just said to pull that thread in of, I almost feel like Twitter has been the door opener that then allows you to meet communities that say, hey, do you want to join a deeper discussion we've got in this private or different format platform, et cetera. That has been my experience. And I'm I'm experiencing another wave of that. So where it was one-to-one before, I was on Twitter a bunch, I would meet people, and that would lead to one-off projects. And now I'm seeing a lot of invitations to a one to, or, you know, many to many communities, but smaller communities based on commonly shared interests that were discovered on these big public platforms. So it's kind of a, a filter down effect. I think that's fair. I've always been a, a big proponent of, of branded communities. I grew up with the VMware forums, right? And that was a great place to get your specific questions answered about VMware stuff. At the time, we didn't have Twitter and Facebook, but Twitter and Facebook are terrible places to get your questions answered by an expert. A dedicated forum in that case it is. I think as I look at the history of computer-mediated communication platforms, oh man, we're going to talk about history for a second. I see similar patterns. For a while, people learn how to use a new platform, and then uh, they figure out how to use it, and then, of course, other people come in and ruin it, and then, they, <laughs> then we have to figure out a new platform. But I, I mean, I think that maybe that's what's gone on here. It took us from 2007, you know, seven, eight, nine till now to figure out how to use Twitter and what it's good for and what it's not good for. You can't have a big discussion on Twitter. You can't have a meaningful discussion on Twitter. And if anybody's been paying attention to Twitter over the past 12 months, it's turned into this, this if you say anything controversial on Twitter, it's turned into this horrible harassing place. And in the meantime, Twitter management is trying to turn it more into following celebrities and talking about TV shows. So, you know, it, it, it can't be everything to everybody. Our technical community has used it to create an interest graph, but I don't think anybody at this point in 2015 abuses themselves uh, of the, the, the notion that it's, it can be useful for any sort of meaningful dialogue. There, I just threw, wow. Twitter, I threw Twitter under a bus. Oh, you wow. did? And um, I think you backed up. Yeah, Matt, what do you think? I'm like, I'm like hiding the Twitter bird right now. I'm being, <laughs> shh, don't listen to him. He's just mad. <laughs> Cover his um, ears. I think everyone comes to this at their own stage, right? Like the, the first time you get involved in, in the social community and you find that that thread on Twitter, you find that people are still open and excited to help you answer questions or at least banter about technology-related puns, as we often do. Uh, there, there seems to be good positivity still out there. Unfortunately, I have to echo that there are horrible trends in shaming, attacking, trolling, um, whether if you have any opinion in particular, that said, like people keep persisting and I keep meeting people. Actually, it tends to be through other mediums at this stage, but for a very long time, like the people that I interacted with first on Twitter and then met in person were wonderful. I just see the trend that I'm interacting with people on other platforms first and then following on Twitter later. Oh, that's different too. That's different than kind of what Amy's point was. I think Amy's point was more, and let me, don't let me put words in your mouth, Amy, but let me put words in your mouth for a sec. Uh, you meet people on Twitter and then move the conversations to a different platform. Matt's also saying the opposite has happened. Are we seeing both of those things? Yeah, no, mine's definitely been Twitter as the gate opener as people kind of come in. Where is everybody? You know, I'm new to this or I'm just kind of hello world. And then finding like finds like interest areas, you know, mesh. And it opens doors. Sometimes you meet in real life. Sometimes you choose to go to like a Slack conversation or a, a private forum or whatever. And and again, go for that deeper dive. We kind of met and watched each other on Twitter 
way more than we had in real life experiences. So, you know, we'd be a case of that too. But I'm intrigued, Matt, for you to see it go in the other direction as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm going through these new community channels, um, in particular GitHub. I, I find that people have built cool things on GitHub and I see that they are going to the same conference as me through Lanyard, which is another site we can link to. Um, and through the correlation of those, I'll Google and see if they're on Twitter. Oh, ta-da, they're on Twitter as well. So I'll I'll jump on there. That's my preferred platform. And, and I'll probably reach out to them through that uh, and see if we can interact. But what brought me to wanting to interact with them in the first place was not Twitter itself. Uh, it wasn't following a hashtag related to an event. They might not have even have tweeted in like six months to a year, some of them. Uh, but once I tweet them, they get right back to me. So it's this cool, strange, you know, it's just another channel in which you can get someone's attention quickly, much more quickly than than email. Uh, and because of that, I tend to stick to it. Is Twitter the dial tone of the social media universe then? Oh, it is for me. And I have to say, everybody I think knows my trade secret is, especially the higher somebody is in an organization, if you DM them, you're so much more likely to get a response because you're going to be the only idiot doing that. (laughs) I know that more than one of my mentors has said, you know, you're the only one who chose Twitter direct message as the means of communicating with me when I've got to answer a million phone calls and emails. So it stuck out and I answered you because it was so strange. So uh, I think there's something to be said, if not there, find that place where they exist, but they aren't quite comfortable yet or don't have a lot of engagement. And you can uh, you can get more than more than your fair share of attention, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, not everything's great on there. It, it doesn't somehow heal humanity and make people more empathetic with those that are not like them. Um, we're not fixing anything related to hunger or world peace. That said, like there's still a lot of value I get personally out of it. And as I see new people join and stumble over the same stumbling blocks that we all do of what's the tone? How do I interact with people? What do they want to hear? What, what does no one want to hear? We figure that out. And as they, they do so, as I do so, I, I reap the rewards of a great network of brilliant people that are willing to share and, and teach me things and you know, occasionally let me teach them too. Amy, you do marketing things these days. Uh, I was talking with a marketing department of a company uh, the other week, and they were worried that their Twitter feed, their corporate Twitter feed, was not interactive enough. Given what we just said, does that matter? I actually do think it does. Like, we have a strategy at my current company where we do have a practice of answering people. My colleague, who is the voice of At Solid Fire, Mike Turner, has often said it's kind of one of the highlights of his day. It's it's almost like um it's almost like a vending machine speaks to you, if you will. Because people <laughs> people will have this sense of it's, you know, this corporate, the Borg, right? And you kind of send it out there and the brand is nameless and faceless. And and we have certain, you know, moments of interaction where, you know, we expect our customer service complaints to get dealt with. But People will say, thanks, Solid Fire for the socks. And, you know, Solid Fire will say, You're welcome. You know, they make you run faster. <laughs> and, and you just see these kind of, it puts a little smile on people's face because it, it's, you know, it's just, it's a small little thing. But for us, strategically, it's the right thing. It's sort of culturally right and brand right for what we're doing. And uh, it does have that little jolt of unexpected, like, well, that was nice. <laughs> Let, let's, let's bring up some more channels. Maybe we can uh, gleam some further logic in here. I mean, John, you are all in on podcasts lately, both helping others spin up 
podcasts, listening to podcasts, contributing to. Are we at a place where where podcasts are are really just feeling the love that other platforms are losing, or is is something else going on? Mm, I think it's uh, the uh, conflagration of many streams. If I could use a big word, that perhaps correctly, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so a lot of different trends going on. It's, so in 2015, it's kind of hard to stand out, right? We have a lot of media. It's all on demand. I can go on Netflix and watch you know, a million hours of anything or HBO Go or Twitter or uh, I use uh, Nuzzle, which gives me links. And I, you know, anyway, there's just aggregators and re-aggregators and, you know, there, there's just noise. Okay, that's a given. Podcasting, because of the rise of smartphones and now because of the Google and Apple connected car stuff, has been getting really big and serial. Uh, you know, still the comedian podcasts and things like that are m- NPR podcasts much bigger than, say, our little tech podcast or even this one. But I, I see an increasing audience. Podcasts are a very intimate medium. Podcasting, I think, is a little bit where blogs were maybe 10 years ago. A few people are doing it. Some people are starting to do it professionally. Unfortunately, I think means that the, the amateurs will end up going away because it's like people who are still blogging are just doing it for fun, but they're not making any money off of it. I mean, they're doing it because it's valuable, perhaps professionally, but they're not making any money directly off of it. And I think the same thing is going to happen with podcasts. All this, I'm just uh, coming to say, those are all the different streams coming together. And I think what they all mean is that in 2015, podcasting can be an effective medium to talk to customers and to talk to each other. After all, I mean, companies at the core basically just want to explain themselves, right? And podcasting is a, is a great medium for that. It's very intimate. If you're listening to this, you're probably listening to this right now in your headphones. And if you've listened to more than, you know, a couple geek whispers, it's been John and, and Amy and, and Matt kind of whispering in your ear. That's a very intimate relationship. I, we, I feel very privileged. And so um, I'm working with a few clients to spin up some new podcasts. I'll probably be talking to some folks about somehow better discoveries, putting up a podcasting portal or, or something so that people can find podcasts better. I'm writing about podcasts for uh, the next issue of the newsletter, which is finally going to come out. Uh, You know, so I think it's, I don't know, there's something different. Radio has always been, you know, effective ever since it was invented. And I think the podcasting is also, it's different, right? It's not going to replace anything, but I I think it's a great and effective medium in 2015. I've shut you both up. I think it's a great comment. In some ways, if I'm kvetching here about the privatization, if it was even real kvetching, having a forum like a podcast, which really is almost the beginning of a conversation, like you said, it's always felt like a very personal thing. There's something about voice, you know, there's something about being with people on their drives to work, you know, people, the amazing feedback we've gotten, people take us to the gym and to work and on planes and other times that were sort of those in-between times where they were spending time in their own head and we're, we're in their head with them. You know, you're, you're wearing earbuds most of the time. Now you're, it's, it all sounds funny, but it's a very direct mainline kind of connection. And it is a little bit of a private conversation. We end up maybe having public conversations about it on Twitter, on the blog, other platforms and channels. But I think it's a great way to be heard because in the end, isn't that the drive behind communication? Someone please hear me. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about also hearing it at your own pace where some of these channels that we're discussing just stream by and are quite mm. overwhelming. Um, what's always nice about hearing someone's voice is that when you're listening, you're in that moment with them, no matter when it happened in the past. 
Um, there's something like, like you said, John, very intimate about it. And I think that might be part of it. And as people experience things with us, they hear the inflections, they hear our career stories, they hear the stories of our guests. There's something a, a little just timeless about gathering around a fire and having a conversation amongst each other. Mm-hmm. Can I tell my way to personal story? <laughs> Go right ahead. Amy. Re- remember, remember our rating, Amy. <laughs> that sometimes uh, it's fairly well known. I don't sleep as much as I should. And uh, when I really need to get an hour or two of sleep, sometimes I will listen to an old episode of the Geek Whispers because it's that soothing to me that I can fall asleep <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, that's sweet. That's really sweet. Because I, I was trying to listen and do three other things at once and found myself like face down asleep. I'm like, huh, how about that? That was pretty effective. <laughs> we can put you right to sleep. <laughs> Should I say that about my own podcast? Other people's voices, my own voice puts me to sleep. <laughs> and yours too. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, do you, are you guys regular? I am a regular podcast listener. And, and I, I probably over at Tech Reckoning, if you go over there, by the time this airs, I'll have some sort of podcast directory up. It's, it's been really fascinating. I've been listening to more DevOps ones now. Um, and there's some that are really good. It really kind of you listen to them, you're like, that's the smartest thing I've heard in weeks or months. That I that I just learned something so important, and it's performative in a way that that Twitter is not right. It is a performance, and so it is people putting on a show, and I think that causes people to kind of put their best foot forward. Twitter, you know, it's performance too, but it seems a little more like shooting the shit with each other and kind of making jokes. Whereas a good podcast is a performance, and hopefully, hopefully, people are being entertained right now. So again, once again, I've asked two questions at once, but but do you guys experience podcasting as a, as performance and do you listen to any other podcasts? Oh yeah, that that's interesting. I think that's our style. That's your style that you taught us, John, to, uh, to make sure you have your, your best oration socks on that we will get in Argyle (laughs) soon and to be ready to be entertaining. And that's definitely part of it. It keeps it keeps it fresh, keeps it exciting. I know some others that are truly just content delivery. And what do you as, mean by that? Like people are like here, here is some interesting conversation about something that uh technologically uh savvy. Like here's the latest updates from the community that builds Golang or here's the most interesting thing about Kafka. I'm talking about a bunch of tech mm-hmm. things that are mm-hmm. on my mind. But um, there there are just like pure information sort of angles. But even as I say that, I'm like, wait a minute, not really. But just like tweeting, I, I think that's not truly fair either. I would I would argue that that the latest updates from the community is a perform has a performative aspect to it as well. I, I think it's just like anything on a stage. I honestly, having had my daughter's final dance performance recently. And explaining stage makeup, you know, it's not normal everyday makeup. It is over and beyond. And I think, anyway, that gets us on another sort of communication thing. I think one of the things about podcasts that are interesting and about other forms of media and things that we respond to that we have some reaction to is, and again, a little behind the scenes secret we talk about here, we got to keep our energy up. We do all sorts of silly things to kind of keep our energy up because our energy has to be almost 1.5 to have it come across in that in that right amount way across the screen and or across the the airwaves if you will and i listen to podcasts too and the ones i get it you know it's interesting to listen to people debate you don't want to i don't watch professional wrestling either so i don't want to watch people smack each other down real or staged but i object I, <laughs> but 
I love to hear smart people hash things out in real time because I learn in between the spaces in between their comments. And there's something about podcasting that I'm in my own head. I'm running, I'm doing something else. I'm sewing, I'm doing something at the same time. And, and I get to enter those kind of precious moments between a thought. Ooh, I like that. That that was one of them just right there. Yeah. We (laughs) need to let that one stretch. So Matt, and, and John, I don't know if that answered your question. So Matt, where, where do you stand? Are you a podcast listener? Are you a, are you just a podcast doer? No, definitely, definitely both. I think I would just violently agree with John that podcasts are in their prime right now. There's a lot of great content in a, a few different angles. I mean, we have we have the people that are uh, have been traditionally podcasting in enterprise tech, and then those that have kind of continued to uh, innovate, to use that word, in this space. Like the in tech we trust gentlemen do a great job. That's probably the first time they've ever been called gentlemen. Um, <laughs> and and then if you are more on the DevOpsy angle and uh, and getting into that, there's just uh, an absolute renaissance of of options there from you know from real practitioner tips like you'll hear on the Food Fight show and the Bitly Tech podcast uh, to some of the kind of real deep dive developer conversations happening at the Change Log and DevOps Cafe. I, I have a long list that I kind of click through while I'm cleaning up the apartment or going on a run and we'll just kind of geek out with. And the Cloudcast guys just continue to kill it with just the most amazing content you can have. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, you do have to respect the medium, though, right? The podcasts take a while to listen to. I can scroll through dozens and dozens of blog posts, but, uh, you know, I can only listen to a few podcasts a day and then I'm I'm even being extreme. So I think uh, if you are a podcaster, if you're if you are thinking about using podcast as a communication medium, I mean you kind of have to respect the medium. And and what is that? I guess the implication is you got to do a pretty good one if you're going to get on people's lists. Yeah, no, that's yeah, actually well, that's a really fair point. If it, as soon as I hear it, if it's the audio is fuzzy or if people like are coming in and out and there's long awkward moments, like I understand it's tough to edit podcasts, and at the same time, it's never been easier. So just go clean it up and respect your listeners. Um, I tend to turn it off or just unsubscribe at that point. I think for me, it's all about content. I'm tolerant of a lot of different things. If the subject matter is interesting, I think to your point that you can over podcast, that it's important to remember how much one can consume. And I think they are born of a tradition of serial radio and you want to leave the listener wanting a little bit more. So I think that not spamming people to death again talk about the platform respect each platform you can send more than one tweet a day but if you had a a daily podcast that might that would be grueling on a lot of levels that kind of makes me shiver inside to think about that not in a good way yeah and but also advice for listeners i found like when i first started using twitter just to put this in context i felt obligated to read my full tweet stream and I remember getting overwhelmed once I started following enough people where that was just a dumb amount of time, um, if you think about it. And you start to kind of just, you know, fish. You you go for the ones you want when you want to. Um, I'm to that stage with podcasts as well, where I follow about 15, which is way too many. Um, but I don't sweat it. I don't make myself feel obligated to listen to every episode. 
I'll click one open like software engineering radio and be like, oh, the last one was about cap theorem. And that's something I hear a lot about in my space. I'm going to listen to it. And then I'll ignore it for a few months and put it, mark them all played. So just feel feel free to not be a slave to the list of that somebody else is curating for you and, you know, curate your own. So Matt, I feel like you are our go-to platforms person. <laughs> what what are the kids these days and everyone else? What are the platforms? Where should we be? What are the oh, tools man. and platforms? Tell us. Oh God. Well, I we we brought up Slack. That that's definitely the cool kid platform of choice these days. And just to clarify it right away for people, Slack is just kind of an IMing service. It feels very IRC where there are channels. Um, but what's interesting about Slack is they've broken it out into teams. So a team is some collection of people that have shared channels that they can communicate on. What they did that was really cool in the last few months, um, I don't even realize how long ago it started, but they kind of opened that up so anyone can make a team. So to your point, Amy, just a, a ton of niche channels of people talking about things that are interesting to them. I mean, we are in a collection of people that talk about geeky things from from learning to code with Ansible and Cloud Foundry to podcasting. And then I'm on another one uh, focused on distributed systems technology and NoSQL. And yet another one for actually people that are, have jobs like I do, uh, advocacy and evangelism, which I thought was really interesting and has introduced me to new people. So you kind of have to listen uh, kind of, you know, one, 101 back to basics here, like listen on channels that you're using and find where these other channels are hiding and, and jump into them. So Slack is, there's an entire ecosystem to explore there these days. Do you find that people communicate on Slack or GitHub or a forum differently than they do on Twitter or Facebook or email? Syntax aside for a minute, I think uh, we, we've said it in Sesame Street style more than a few times. Peoples is peoples. Uh, they're all we're all just listening and talking to each other, and it's not that different. Um, there's this sense of you know, don't be a jerk and listen before you speak. But no, not really. I don't. I don't see massive differences myself. What are some other channels that are interesting? Products hunt. I see a lot of things happening on Product Hunt lately. Do either of you peruse that site? I know about it. I don't go there very often. Yeah, what's what's interesting is they're they really keep pushing towards the curation aspect. So there are collections of tools that people curate on Product Hunt that are just absolutely amazing and are voted up or voted down in a very Reddity way, but. If you want to know, Amy, where I've always found all the tools that you've been impressed by, it's been because I was scrolling through Product Hunt and then I sent it to you. (laughs) (laughs) It's like my personal tool delivery service. Yeah. And I hope it never, ever goes away. But I actually want to bring up an an old school one that we've admitted isn't as popular as often, but blogging. Um, John, I know you said like the the year of the the blog is is not as... uh, it's not looking as good as it once was, but I find that the when I carve time out of my week to blog, I feel really good about it, and I get really positive responses through other mediums like Twitter and if I post it in a Slack channel, stuff like that. Do you think that's still viable? Oh, absolutely, and certainly in, in our specialized area. 
for a while there, again, this is probably 10 years ago or, or five years ago, people thought that you might be able to make a living off these things and you could use things like Google AdSense and on something on a topic that was just niche or no one had really conquered. And you could actually make an interesting side income just by talking about DVRs or something like that. Those days are over. Google is sending different kinds of traffic to these sites. One person I was reading recently was saying that, you know, that he used to be blogging every day and that was his thing. And now he noticed that Google is actually sending people to longer work and more uh, reference articles. And so now he's actually trying to, in his practice, and he's photography and a bunch of other hobbies, he, he's, he's actually making longer pages that are more kind of the definitive uh, work on X or subject X or Y or Z. And Google likes those a lot and people find them useful. So the kind of rhythm of blogging, if you've been following it for 10 years, has changed. I'd much rather see, even in our area, somebody write fewer good articles than write every day. And, and for a while, Google and others were, were rewarding multiple articles a day or as many articles as you could write. And so that's what I mean when it's kind of uh, shifted, I think. Hmm. That's actually really interesting to know. Stick with me long enough and you'll learn something. <laughs> it what do you think, Amy? So far. <laughs> are, you a, are you a subscriber, reader, enthusiast of blogs, either personal okay. or, or branded? I consume an insane amount of information. And I will fully admit I'm not the best frontline person, but I'm good at relying on others. I, I seek the wisdom of crowds. Like I can't filter all that myself. So I follow the places where filters can get me what I need. So it sounds funny, but I pick up an incredible lot of information from, I've got a, a, a back chat at, at work that I pick up an incredible lot of information from because I know when more than one person there thinks it's interesting, like it catches my eye and I'll go read it. I pick up stuff on Facebook, believe it or not. Like if you, it, again, it's all about the space between for me and I see trends and I pick up interesting things there that lead to other interesting things. So I read a ton. I did the daily blog thing for a couple years as a food blogger until it just wore me out. If I had a do-over and part of me is itching to get to that again, when life settles a little bit, I probably will go back to it, but it'll be much more targeted. Um, not so often. And I too have that sense, Matt, of when I blog in my professional life, I find it very rewarding and I've got a few things on my docket that I'd like to get to. But again, life and work interfere a little bit right now with my writing schedule. But I'm, I think it's important. I think if you've got something to say, say it. And I love that we live in a world where you can. And then see what comes back to you. And also that you can consume so much information through someone's opinion. That's the place blogs have always served for me. I love having the frame of someone's perspective. Wow. Well said. Absolutely agree. Going back to the technical for a second, you know, another cause of some of the shift is the fact that, you know, RSS readers went away or Google reader went away and that caused a big shift in readership patterns. I, I thought it was interesting, Amy, that you were blogging every day. I blogged every day for VMware for, for a while in 2006 and seven. And again, I think those days are over, but there is nothing that replaces the voice of a person. I, I'd absolutely agree whether you're looking at this from the corporate lens or from the human lens or from just the you and your friends lens or hobbyist lens, I, I, I just don't see, I just don't see anything else that matches that. And it's so interesting. I think that uh, 
we're still in some ways at the same place we were of people not sure if you should blog on a corporate platform or by themselves. And it's really gotten to the point of, I don't care where you blog. We had someone blog recently. They just had something to say and they put it out on LinkedIn because they didn't, they don't have their own blog platform. And it was, it was brilliant. And I think you take those, those threads and you, you push them out. Good content finds its readership eventually. Anybody in the, the marketing business or, or frankly, in the, the content reading business. I love that we live in a world where content is so easily shared. There's something that builds community around ideas. That's a pretty great concept. You know, it used to be you would write a, a treatise and, and made it the local pub public house, right? And uh, we just kind of do that electronically now. And that freedom to both express an opinion and to read others, I, I think it... Uh it warrants a awareness of each and every one of us to go actively be curious, be curious about the the patterns and interests that you hold or, or feel you should be picking up. If there's anything to preach in the world that we've been curating on Geek Whispers, it's been that people tend to make their own jobs by looking at what other people are doing and then going and pursuing that. It's a self-taught community in many ways. And we have a lot of people that help us get there, but you have to be curious on your own and, and go do the work. Well said. Well said. As we start to wrap up this episode, what do you think? Obviously, communications and how it's done, it changes, it stays the same, it's cyclical. Are we getting better at communicating and listening? As a species or? <laughs> John, Let's just start with the so tech deep. That was, yeah, the scientist speaks. I'll take just as the tech tech industry. Sure, because you have to. You can't jam the old channels full of stuff anymore. It doesn't work. And so I think companies and each other are learning how to speak. Those are some of the clients I work with. And I think the beautiful thing is they need to talk to geeks and they need geeks to talk to them, which is kind of the whole shtick of why we talk to each other and why we talk to geeks and why we get geeks to talk to companies and why geeks have careers as technical marketers and developer advocates. Yeah, we're becoming better at it because otherwise Brenda wouldn't have a job. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and, and part of me says that we're still missing a pretty big mark. And I'm going to blame it on metrics, actually. <laughs> that we're still measuring why we think people did something uh, as opposed to whether or not they actually listen to us. I'm thinking, you know, click rates or open rates or page views and these statistics and the followers that we gather, like these are still valued rather arbitrarily at times, as opposed to some of the softer, more important things like anecdotes that help people believe in a brand or, or loyalty or affinity and enthusiasm. These are the type of things that are top of mind for me, actually, that we're, we're still missing the mark on prioritizing that over over the metrics sometimes and I, i'm going to be the odd one that soberingly reminds us all that the anecdotes are still what's winning i think there's yeah i think there's a lot to that i don't know i go back and forth on whether we're doing a better job or whether there's more noise but i still remain amazed that we communicate at all because a lot of what i do i feel like is finding the miscommunications and then correcting them so when it works and we convey anything to another human being, I'm always impressed. But yeah, I mean, I'm still very optimistic about it. That sounds a little dark for how optimistic I am, because I think with all these different channels and the fact that we all keep trying, 
that um, there's something pretty wonderful about that of people really just want to be heard. And we want to listen too. I really do think think uh, it's both both ends. So I'm with you. I'm a fellow optimist, and I'm I'm sure John is too. Actually, that we all just kind of want to want to listen to each other. We want to help curate other people's stories and be part of their stories. Amy, if there was one thing that uh, you've done in your communication <laughs> career that you would never do again, <laughs> what would that be? Oh my gosh. Um, one thing that I have done in my communications career that I would never do again, uh, I once was in charge of sending emails to approximately 100,000 people at once. I had 100,000 people on a list. And you read it six times, you try to do it right, everything's right, you hit send, it's back in the day, the servers can't process it, it ends up spinning, 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 chewing, and ends up basically sending some people three copies. I would never, I would never go do mass communications without the proper infrastructure ever again. <laughs> I was in publishing then. Now I know. Now you know why I left publishing to come into technology. So I would never do that again. Never, never cheap out on the automation. I think that's true. No, never. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time saying sorry that day. Well, as always, thank you for listening to us. Uh, we really appreciate the time that we get to spend with everybody. And we love your feedback and comments. So whether it's coming up to us at a conference, if you see us in person or send us a direct message, a tweet, uh, something our way. We really love engaging with all the folks out there in radio land. So keep listening and keep sharing. And we will whisper at you next week. You've been listening to the Geek Whisperers podcast, where we bring social media and community to enterprise IT. You can listen to all the episodes at our website, geek-whisperers.com, or check us out on Twitter, Facebook, or iTunes. Your hosts were John Mark Troyer, Amy Lewis, and Matthew Brender, better known on Twitter as Jay Troyer, Comms Ninja, and MJ Brender. See you next week. Amy, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. I, I, I don't have any socks. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you about that. I think you forgot the inflection to imply a question mark. I'm really kind of upset about that. I don't have any socks. No I've socks. Got a couple, 